I'm Edwina Stott and this is the RFDS Queensland Section podcast. In this three-part series, you'll hear the stories of three different nursing careers from within the organisation. From an outback flight nurse to a male flight nurse and a former nurse, now our CEO. First up is RFDS flight nurse Hayden Wilson. Men make up only 11% of the nursing workforce in Australia, so Hayden has often been the minority throughout his career. But growing up on Norfolk Island, he always knew nursing was the career for him, helping out the local ambulance service whenever he could and taking first aid courses with the cadets. From there, he's come a long way, and he's now an RFDS flight nurse and has been with the service in Rockhampton for two years. I caught up with Hayden and began by asking him how he started out in his career. It started at an early age, sort of my interest peaked in the medical sort of field through first aid courses. I was about 14, 15 years old in the army cadets at that time. And my mother is a nurse, so I guess subconsciously that's where the inspiration has come from, sort of following in her footsteps. So I grew up in a very small place called Norfolk Island. So a lot of people haven't heard of it, but it's an 8 by 5 kilometre island, about a two and a 20 minute hour plane flight from Brisbane. Essentially smack bang in the middle of Brisbane, New Zealand and New Caledonia if you draw intersecting lines between those three places. Wow, what was it like growing up on Norfolk Island? Uh, it was beautiful. It was very relaxed. You always felt very, very safe. It's a place where to this day you still leave the keys in your car and the wallet on the dashboard of your car without worrying about it. You're free to roam the streets without worrying about any sort of danger as children. Take yourself to the beach or go exploring through the hills, but very much a very beach sort of orientated place and it was a really awesome place to sort of grow up, I guess. I haven't got much to compare it to because I never lived in Australia in those years, but certainly it's like a little farm in the ocean. You just sort of, you can cycle to school every day. You know everybody on the islands and everybody knows you. So you've got a really safe community sort of feel about it. But also you just sort of had the freedom to do whatever you liked and knew that you were well looked after. Everyone was keeping an eye on you be that a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the healthcare like growing up? Did you have to use a flying doctor? Uh, actually, we didn't. We initially, in the earlier times, were supported by the Australian Air Force um, for evacuations. And in more recent times, um, it's the a mixture of private and life flight evacuation jets. Unfortunately, the distance is too far for RFDS to be able to assist with our aircraft. So that's why they need the jet platform to be able to go those long ocean distances. Right. And so tell me, when did you eventually move off the island? Yeah, so obviously being a very small island community, I moved off to start my studies in nursing. So 18 years old, moved to Brisbane, which is where I started my nursing studies. And so when you started nursing, was it really you felt like a round peg in a round hole? You know, this was what you wanted to definitely do. Um, I was always a little torn. Um, I always knew I wanted to get into a career to help people. Um, I tossed up with the idea of becoming a police officer, joining the military. It was always focused around doing some sort of assistance, I guess. 
nursing was at that time in my mind a stepping stone to becoming a doctor. I sort of set my sights on the medical pathway. But as I went through nursing and sort of did the practical side of it and got to learn more about the role, I actually really enjoyed the diversity and the freedom that nursing gives you that sometimes medicine can't offer you in terms of the study lengths of times and the specialities. Nursing's a lot more free, I guess, in the fact that you can swap between specialties and there's not necessarily exams and colleges and extended periods of study associated with swapping your specialty. Interesting. And did you enjoy studying nursing at university? I did, yes. I actually started at TAFE. So my study plan was semi-strategic. I did my diploma of nursing and became an enrolled nurse. So I could start working essentially as soon as I possibly could. So that's, I became an enrolled nurse after 18 months and started working at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. And then I supported myself through my bachelor's degree. It was sort of a recognized pathway then um, from enrolled nurse to registered nurse. But I was able to work week by week in the actual clinical setting as an enrolled nurse and really put all of that theory to practice on a weekly basis. So I think that really helped myself as a clinician, but also certainly helped with the study side of it. Yeah, you must have learned pretty quick. I guess I did in a way, but at the same time, you're always learning something different. So I was working in the neurology setting with stroke victims and epilepsy patients. So I felt my grounding was very strong in that area, but then university complemented what I knew there learning about cardiology and the other different specialties that you run through as a student on your practical courses. Yeah, it's a pretty phenomenal achievement. So you, when you eventually got your master's and you'd been working at the RBH, what did you do then? Yeah, so as a registered nurse, I started a graduate year in general medicine, again at the Royal Brisbane Hospital. That's where the majority of my nursing career was based before the Flying Doctors. On completion of that, I sort of was looking for something different again and thought I'd use my medical neurology background and I stepped into a neurosurgical background for a while and did about 12 months in the neurosurgical ward at Royal Brisbane. Wow, what was that that like, Hayden? I guess a lot of nurses might be able to understand. Some will say they're either a medical nurse or a surgical nurse or an ICU nurse or an ED nurse. People find, I guess, they're comfortable in a certain environment but I was always trying to find ways to push myself and push my boundaries and help myself as a clinician learn that sort of broader range of skills so again it was a nervous transition from medical nursing to surgical because it was something I wasn't entirely familiar with but also it was a higher acuity level of patient which I really enjoyed that ongoing learning and furthering my education learning those sort of new skills at a higher level than what you might have learnt in, say, a general medicine field. Yeah, it must have been quite high pressure working in, you know, neurology and that kind of surgery. Yeah, I never went into the theatres. I would assume uh, without having done it, that would be the very higher pressure situation when you're operating on someone's brain. But certainly the post-operative phase and the extent of some of these injuries or illnesses you were looking after, there was a very high degree of acuity there and you sort of had to really be on your toes and have your assessment skills finally finely tuned. 
you were only young at this point and doing some, you know, really important work. But obviously, you must have been dealing with some things that you hadn't come across before in terms of people's injuries, seeing their loved ones upset and in pain and having to deliver sad news to people. How did you find the emotional side of that so early on in your career? Yeah, I guess I was sort of conditioned a little bit to, I guess you call it trauma or loss at an early age again, about 15 or 16 years old. Whilst on Norfolk Island, I was a volunteer with the St John Ambulance Service there. That was sort of the next little thing that pushed me into a medical career. So I was actually a third person, sort of a supervisor slash assistant on the ambulance over there. And at 16 years old, I was helping do CPR on a cardiac arrest patient, helping transport patients that had unfortunately passed away. So I had a, I guess, very early exposure to that side of life and had really great support with the local hospital there. I guess all the nurses there are essentially my mother's, Mm. having my own mum as a nurse there. And then I had another 20 mums who were all looking after me and helping me grow into the nurse I am today. Mm. So I guess having that exposure so early, but having the right support and the ability to talk to people about my feelings helped me grow, maybe mature a lot earlier in that side of things than what I might have if I had gone into nursing without having any exposure at all. Mm, And yeah, I suppose you learned how to process those emotions and deal with them so that you could put them aside and do the best job at hand. Absolutely. And I think as nurses, that's what we're really good at. I know a lot of people think, how can you deal with that situation? Or how could you possibly manage to see those sorts of things that you see? But I guess for nurses, that's our job. And we've chosen that profession because of our care and nature or because of an external driver to push us into that career. And whilst you whilst you have your nursing hat on, I guess, it, there's a bit of a disconnect between your outside life and your hospital life. And it's almost as if when you leave the hospital, you can take your nursing hat off and leave some of those traumas or uncomfortable situations or sad situations at work. But then having a network of support. So speaking with your colleagues or I'm very, very lucky to be married to a nurse so Mm -hmm. I can come home and debrief if I need to. Um, So I guess there's many strategies there to help you deal with those scenarios. So tell me, Hayden, once you spent that time on the neurosurgical ward, what did you do then? So from there, I went to the emergency department at the Royal Brisbane Hospital again and started there. It's like a transition program I guess you would call it where emergency and ICU and those sorts of specialty areas have got a different skill set a different level of skills and a higher level of assessment so you go on to what's called a transition program and learn your way through each of the different areas of emergency until you become a fully fledged emergency nurse I guess. Wow so what was it like working in ER that must have been very intense. It was intense but To this day, it remains my favourite area, (laughs) whether that's because I thrive off high-pressure, adrenaline, junkie situations uh, (laughs) in the medical field, I guess. But I really enjoyed the autonomy that emergency nursing brings. There's a lot of assessment skills, a lot of early 
diagnostics, I guess, you can do as a nurse to help the medical staff come to a conclusion and help treat a patient. So you can really, it's a really collaborative environment um, working alongside your medical staff, which I really enjoyed. And I felt that was where I was well suited, I guess you might say. I bet there was no typical day. You would see all sorts, I suppose. Certainly not. So um, Royal Brisbane being one of Queensland's busiest emergency departments, um, you could see anywhere from 150 to 300 patients a day. So there was certainly a high turnover, very fast-paced, but there was also multiple different areas you could work in. So that's, I think, another reason that really appealed to me. No one day was the same, but also no one day would you work in the same area. So there was a lot of variety to keep you sort of engaged, I guess, and constantly learning new things every day. And I suppose plenty of opportunities to make the biggest difference. Absolutely. So road accidents, cycle accidents, you name it, we saw it. And that's where you certainly see the amazing teamwork as well that goes on that not everyone perhaps in the waiting room appreciates everyone's emergency is their emergency at the time but we could be busy you know there might be 10 to 20 people working on one patient at any time so I think that's that side of it's a really rewarding aspect Mm, yeah I bet and then what was next in your career Hayden so I um, stayed in emergency just over three years I did my postgraduate studies in emergency nursing because I had decided that was my specialty area that's where I wanted to stay and then I started to look at becoming a nurse practitioner because again I wanted to better myself I wanted to sort of become that clinical specialist and as a nurse practitioner you're sort of regarded as the highest a nurse can get in the clinical field but that early exposure living on Norfolk Island to life flight coming to retrieve patients and as a volunteer with the ambulance, I would transport those patients to the life flight jet. It was always something I wanted to do. And I met my now wife in emergency at the time. And we she's from a country town. She also had RFDS in the back of her mind, living in a small community in Queensland. She saw the planes coming in and out. And we both had that joint passion to get into that field of nursing, I guess. And... We both applied at the time. Neither of us were midwives. And unfortunately, although we met the criteria in terms of years of nursing and our critical care currency, we have not been midwives. It is a requirement of the job that we are midwives. So unfortunately, we didn't get that position. We were very lucky, however, some months later, um, Louise, who's the nurse manager of workforce, Mm. she reached out to us and said there was an opportunity that the RFDS would like to employ us as flight nurses. However, we would have to become midwives first. So we both jumped at the opportunity. We went through the interview process and were both fortunate enough to be employed on the basis that we would complete our midwifery. So to Rockhampton, we moved and commenced our midwifery studies together. And here we are now. Wow. That's um, very fledged flight nurses. Gosh, that must have been pretty exciting for you and your then girlfriend, now wife, to be told that you can get in and you just have to do a little bit more training. Absolutely. We were both 
actually at a paediatric life support course. And we just sat down for dinner with the course cohort and uh, we received a phone call to say we were sitting next to each other and quite funnily I received the phone call uh, and got the news and then Tara received the phone call as well after I hung up. So that was a bit of a funny moment but we were both just so excited and so happy that we had sort of made it. There was a lot of hard work to go in yet, you know, 18 months of postgraduate midwifery but for all intents and purposes we had both made it to our dream job. What did your mum say when you told her? She was very proud, as were all of my other mums at the (laughs) Norfolk Island Hospital. (laughs) Yeah, that's fantastic. Wow. So were you a bit nervous about having to study midwifery, though? Because it's very different to what you have been doing in the past, isn't it? Absolutely. And I'll highlight the elephant in the room, and that's that I'm a male. And there's not many (laughs) male midwives. (laughs) So I was mixed emotions. I was absolutely very, very nervous, very hesitant, I guess, about what that would entail. Would I make it through? How would the women respond to me as a male? How, what would the challenges be? We had all sorts of things running through my head. But I guess the motivation was I knew there was a job at the end of it and that job was my dream job. So that made it a lot easier in a lot of aspects. Also, the fact that I got to study with my wife made it a lot easier as well. We both made a move to a new town. We both started a new job in a new hospital. So sharing that experience, I think, for both of us, having that person to bounce off made it that much easier. Mm. And how was the process of becoming a midwife? How did people react to you when they realised that you were the midwife and you were studying? I have to say, overall, in the majority of cases, it was a really positive experience. A lot of women were really surprised, but also really excited to have a male midwife Mm. and I guess as a male you bring a different perspective to the journey that is childbirth we or I should say myself as a male I will never experience the pain I'll never experience the connection with growing a tiny human inside of me so I guess not being able to experience that just heightens my level of care and my level of respect for women and I think you come into the birth suite with that respect You're there to guide a woman's journey to birth. You're not there to deliver a baby or tell her how to do things because babies will deliver themselves. So it's all about the supportive aspect. And I think because I had that mentality early on, I was able to connect and establish a rapport with the women quite well. So I think it's really good to sort of push the boundaries and push the social norm and show that, you know what, it's not just a woman's job or it's not just a man's job. Anyone can do it if you've got the right caring nature and you've got the right mentality to do that. And on that note, if somebody was thinking about getting into nursing and they were worried, you know, about being a man and the perceptions of that, in your experience, what would you say to them in regards to what it's actually like being a male nurse and whether they should be worried about it? In my experience, absolutely, I would say just go for it. I think a lot of the stereotypes or the occasional negative comments associated with being a male nurse, you know, I've heard the term that male nurses are just medical students that didn't make it through med school, those sorts of funny little things. You just have to have a thick skin. You are going to come across people that 
are going to look at you a bit funny and think, gee, that's a bit strange having a man look after me. But I would have to say 99.9% of the time, it's been an incredibly rewarding journey. And the minutia of negative experiences by far are outweighed by all of the positive ones. So if you're listening and you're thinking of becoming a nurse, absolutely go ahead, do it full force. So you obviously have extensive experience working in hospitals and in that kind of environment. What was it like then moving that into working just by yourself in a plane? Yes, that was, again, another extremely nerve-wracking process. But the RFDS, I've got to say, uh, are amazing in terms of the clinical and education support that they provide. You never at any point, even though... Physically, you are alone in the back of a plane. You're not alone, if that makes sense. There's very intensive training that goes into becoming a flight nurse. So it's about four weeks or more, depending on what role you're going into, that you're supported through learning the policies, the procedures, the how to work in the back of an aircraft, how to work alone, and, and two weeks of full-time flying with a mentor as well. So you get to really pick the brains of some very senior high-level flight nurses that teach you some tricks of the trade. So you've been with the Flying Doctor for two years now. I imagine there isn't a typical day just like there wasn't when you were in the ER. No, not at all. Out of the Rockhampton base, we run three shifts per day. So we have a six till six and nine till nine day shift. And then we have a six till six night shift. So our typical day, there isn't one. It starts by waking up and checking that your on-call phone is on because that's the biggest thing. (laughs) You don't want to be the one that misses the phone call. (laughs) If we're tasked straight away, we just go into the base immediately. Um, Otherwise, you've got about an hour in the morning to have your breakfast, get prepared, get into the base and do your daily checks. That level of not knowing is probably the most exciting part. I know there are other nurses that love a schedule and they love a routine. But myself, that just adds to the excitement of the job, never knowing any day what we're going to. And that's, I guess, heightened by not only do we not know what we're going to, but it could be a baby, it could be a child, an adult, a trauma, a woman in labour, a woman suffering complications in her pregnancy, someone who's had a fall. It's the first job, I guess, in my nursing career where I'm covering the whole age spectrum and then every specialty as well a lot of nurses will specialize i guess into a ward area then they'll either look after adults or children there's not many jobs where you look after both outside of an emergency department or a regional center so that part i really really enjoy yeah that's fantastic and is there a patient or um you know a time when you've cared for somebody during your time with the rfds which has really stuck out to you and you've thought yeah, this is why I do this. I guess a lot of people, a lot of emergency nurses or critical care nurses, we love the high pace, fast trauma drugs or a very sick um, resuscitation patient. That's not ideal for the patient, obviously, but it's where we thrive as nurses in this specialty field. So that's always really rewarding. But for me, one aspect is we do what's called a backload. So you you're not necessarily transferring a patient for care, you're actually bringing them home from specialty care. And one thing I really enjoy doing is bringing babies home. 
So obviously in the regional centres or the smaller um, coastal towns, that specialty level neonatal care isn't available and quite often um, we will transport the neonatal teams or the paediatric teams to retrieve these sick children. And it's really rewarding to meet these little babies in Brisbane and take them home to wherever that may be to see the joy on the mother's or father's face that, you know, their baby has made it through this quite scary time. Sometimes it's their first child. They've got no experience with this. They have their baby. They're flown to Brisbane. It's all completely foreign and by no means was it planned. So it's a really rewarding thing to be bringing these little people home back to their family supports and just seeing that joy on the family's faces when the little ones are returned. It's, I think it's a really nice thing. And do you ever work on the same shift as your wife? No, we don't work the same shifts. So our story is one of a very busy last two years in that whilst we were studying midwifery, we managed to fit our wedding in. And at the completion of our midwifery, we managed to also fit in the birth of our first child ourselves. Congratulations. That's fantastic news. Thank you. Yes. So Tara has been on maternity leave, obviously, looking after our little poppy. Um, and she will be returning to work very shortly. And how is it working for the RFDS? Is it as good as you thought it would be? Absolutely. It's uh, by far my favourite job out of all of them in the last 11 years that I've been nursing. I can see myself loving it for a very, very long time and I hope to make a really great career out of it. It exceeds my expectations, I guess, in what we get to do. Fantastic. And do you think eventually we might see little Poppy getting into nursing with mum and dad? Well, she has uh, come to a few fundraising events and Mm. has been the star in the aircraft a couple of times. So (laughs) planting that seed early to see if it's something she might like to do. Fingers uh, crossed. That was RFDS flight nurse Hayden Wilson talking to me from Rockhampton. If you enjoyed that chat, don't forget to take a listen to the two other episodes in this series where you'll hear from an Outback flight nurse and a former nurse, now our CEO. You can find them wherever you find your podcasts. Just search for Royal Flying Doctor. I'm Edwina Stott and this was the RFDS Queensland section podcast. Catch you next time.